Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Glad that you're here today. And uh, I want to speak this morning a little bit about uh, this blessing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes it can be very wildly understood. I often tell people when they hear that we, we're kind of Pentecostals with our seatbelt on, with a charismatic face, but don't let it fool you. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? Don't let anyone be afraid. We have not fed the snakes for three years, so you don't have to worry about that. Amen. I don't know how that came to be. That's a very small segment of our movement. But the Holy Spirit is why Jesus died. Yeah. It seems like the icing on the cake, but I would like to tell you it's the cake. Yeah. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached about Pentecost, he said, boy, weak Peter became bold. Do you remember how weak he was? And then he said to the Jews, he said, you by wicked hands have slain the prince of life. But God has raised him from the dead and has sent forth this, which you now see and hear, referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means that the death and the resurrection of life from the dead was God's preparation to be able to come to his people in fullness. So don't think of the Holy Spirit as a strange doctrine. It's his purpose for you. To be filled with God, and I'm going to prove that to you by scripture. Now, I'd like to say we believe that folks who do not have the baptism are saved. If you're baptized or born again of the Holy, born again, you have the Spirit's beginning work in your life. The Bible says we're born again of the Spirit. Can I hear an amen, somebody? All right, and yet then there's a fullness of blessing that God wants us to have, and we see that in the Bible very clearly. And God wants us to receive all that he has for us, all right? You wouldn't want to go to the dinner table today and sit at a beautiful turkey dinner, and it has mashed potatoes, and there's green beans there, and there's cranberry sauce, and dressing, and stuffing, and gravy, and just have the gravy, You want to have the meat. You want to have the potatoes. I've been off potatoes for a while now. Pray for me. It's not an easy journey. But spiritually, we want everything God has for us, don't we? And we should be open to it. So if this has been a difficulty in your life, if there's some questions you have about the Holy Spirit, just see my wife after the service. Okay, let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. And we'd like to have the verses up, Matthew chapter 3. And I'd like you to read with me together verse 11 and verse 12. Uh, this is John the Baptist uh, preaching and speaking. Jesus, I should say God the Father, told John that upon whom you see the Spirit descending and abiding upon, he is the one that will baptize in the Holy Spirit. So let me say it this way. Jesus was baptized and came to baptize. All right, so let's read verse 11 and 12 uh, together. Are you ready? Together. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, 
whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 12, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That is a very interesting verse, verse 12, but let me explain verse 11. John, of course, was preparing the way for Jesus to come and he did a great job. He got the people to repent, and of course the way they repented was they came confessing their sins and being water baptized. We're still to be water baptized, but that water baptism was preparation for Jesus' ministry and how many were open to Jesus and ready for his message because he told them, one is coming mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He's going to be the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Folks, repentance is still important. In fact, Jesus said when you go out and preach the gospel, the first message is repent. And then he said, and preach remission of sins. Thank God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And we ought to preach that, folks. We ought to share with people that they can know their sins are forgiven. I just want to interject. I never heard such a thing. I had to go to church to get my sins forgiven. And just the sins I committed that week. But my problem was every week I committed more. How about you? But I found that Jesus justifies us. He acquits you. He releases you. He causes his attributed righteousness to be yours. Where you are a child and a daughter of God. You belong to him because of the blood of Jesus. Why don't you give it up for Jesus? Thank him today for the blood of Jesus that we can repent. We are now justified by his spirit, by his blood. Much more than being justified and reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the second part. When you're born again, his life is in you. We're going to talk about that. And then he begins to change us from one degree of glory to another. That second verse is very special too. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. You know, on the original day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament, it was the harvest of the grain. It was the first harvest in early June. That's why we're celebrating it today. It actually is a true Jewish feast. And what would happen was they would take that grain and they would make big loaves of bread and sheaves of wheat and they'd wave it before the Lord as a praise offering. Well, a seed was sown and that seed died and it brought forth fruit and they'd praise the Lord for his fruit for his sustenance, for the food that they were going to be able to eat because of that harvest. Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. On the day of Pentecost, the wheat came forth from the earth and the sickle went in. You had the first harvest of believers come and people have been filled with the Holy Spirit through the history of church. It's the grain coming forth. It's the wheat coming forth. And you know, we are the praise offering back to God for all that he has done because of his death, because of his resurrection. Fruit has come into your life. Is that not so? And we are to be praises to God. Because we are the first fruits of those that have come forth because of his mighty work. And we thank God for that. I want you to also turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. 
And there we have a very interesting chapter which talks about the importance of this baptism of the Holy Ghost and its position in the message of Jesus, which is very central, very important. And so this is Acts chapter 1, and I'd like us to read verse 4. We're going to read down through verse 11. Very important verses because it shows us what was in Jesus' mind right before he's ascended. What was the last thing he told his disciple? Now when you think about the last thing, I want you to think about the last thing you would say to your child. If you knew you'd see them, no, any, that would be the last time you'd see them, what would you tell them? What would you share with them? It would not be the score of the Nationals game. It would not be anything superficial. If you had one more chance to talk to your children, you would talk to them about the most important thing on your heart. Is that not so? And that's what Jesus does here. Let's look at it. I'm going to read verse 4. This is Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And being assembled together. This was at the ascension. And being assembled together with them. Commanded them. That they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father. Which is the Holy Spirit. Which saith he ye have heard of me. Verse 5. For truly, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Wow. Look what it says here in verse 9. And while he spake these words, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The last thing that Jesus says to the disciples is not explain the times and the seasons. They wanted to know when Israel would be restored. He said, don't bother with that, but get filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 is a wonderful verse. I want to read it to you. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You want a little power in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly. That, much, that abundant life is not wealth. It's not a good job. God gives those too. But it's himself within you. It's righteousness. Hallelujah. Come on. It's joy. Praise God. It's peace in the Holy Ghost. It's something God does supernaturally that makes you to be happy even during Monday boring days. You don't have to be happy because of what's going on. You're happy because of who's in you. You're not happy because everything in your life is good because I promise you not everything in life is ever good. There's always something. And that's even in church. But thank God he bails me out. Hallelujah. I'm not a pastor. I'm a lover of Jesus. And I'm a pastor too. And I have his presence. Hallelujah. And he supersedes everything of this world. Everything that's dark and hard. He makes better. Because he is joy unspeakable. And he fills us with glory. Thank you Jesus. So let me read this. You shall receive power 
after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Not just power in your personal life, but it says, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And folks, I really feel like God wants every one of us to be witnesses to those around us. America is losing the fight, but God wants to bring revival to this nation. And we ought to be spreading the good news of Jesus, all right? And the Holy Spirit will help you to speak in the love of God. And you know, they might not always understand what you say, but the word of God is powerful and will never return void. And when you speak a word under the leading and inspiration of God, believe me, there's quickening life that God will do where you will impart life to help people to begin to believe and to understand. And so let's be faithful to do that. But you see, my main point is here then that the last thing Jesus says before he disappears is he says, look, don't go out to minister right away. You need something. Hallelujah. You need something. You see, you can't really, really preach someone or about something you don't know. And the Holy Spirit gives you a knowing. Jesus said, in that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. The Holy Spirit is an advanced step in the knowledge of God whereby Jesus Christ is made more real to the soul. There comes a knowing of God. And so he said, look, you... Hallelujah. How many would like to have been in Jesus' three and a half year Bible school? How many would like to have sat at the feet of Jesus and hear him teach? But it wasn't enough. He said, I have many things to say unto you, but you can't, you're as dumb as a clock. You can't bear them now. You can't receive them. Howbeit, when the Holy Spirit has come, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to take the things of mine and reveal them unto you. He's going to glorify me. How many want to glorify Jesus? How many want to know the truth? Hallelujah. How many want to hear him? He's not here physically, but he speaks. He reveals. He touches. He does something powerful in our inner man. So he said to the Holy Spirit, he said to the disciples, don't go out, but you tarry until you go to Jerusalem and you're going to be filled there many, not many days hence. And after he said these things, he ascended into heaven. And it says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 1, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, they probably were angels. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing here into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. The second coming. Folks, Jesus is coming again. And every eye shall see him. Let's get ready to meet him. I'm going to prove to you today that one of the preparations for being ready for his coming is being filled with who he is. Amen. Amen. Because he's coming without, for a, a church without spot or wrinkle. 
And so we want to have his Holy Spirit sanctify us and come to us. My main point of my sermon today, I haven't gotten to, but this is it. It's in John chapter 14, because this gives real special import to this subject, all right? John chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading 16, 17, and 18. Actually, I want you to read 18 with me, all right? Okay, it says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Now, this took place at the Last Supper. How many believe the Last Supper was a wonderful time? Do you remember he broke bread? He had communion with them. You remember he washed their feet and he showed them the heart which we served. But the wonderful thing he did was he gave this lengthy explanation of what the Holy Spirit would do. And he says, I'm going to pray the Father. And he's going to give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you shall know him for he will dwell with you, or he, and shall be in you. All right? Now, there's an interesting thing there. He says he dwells with you. You know, they healed the sick. The disciples went out. They had Jesus with them. But he was going to make a greater arrangement. It says, and I shall be in you. Now, it's something special about this because the problem with mankind is not the information, it's the heart. The problem with us is not the outward man, it's the inward man. The place that we need a change is on the inside. The inside will impact the outside. The Bible says man looks upon the outward. God looks upon the heart. We're impressed with a person who's good looking, which I'm not one of them, or well dressed, which maybe sometimes I am. We're impressed with a person's maybe education and their demeanor and sometimes their success. And God is not impressed with anything but a changed, transformed heart that's filled with the love of God. Hallelujah. He looks on the heart. We need Jesus in us. So you can come to church and not have him. You can know some Bible information and not know him. Folks, the thing God wants us to know and have is himself. I'm going to prove that to you. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a revelation, Maddie. You know it already. And this is going to be powerful. I want you to read with me verse 18. Everyone in the church. Here we go. Read it together. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. We're having Father's Day, and that word comfort in the margin, or comfortless, is translated orphans. You're no longer an orphan. You're a child of God. You're no longer on the outside. I will come to you. You will not be orphans. You will not be comfortless. I will come to you. My minister used to say this, and I'm glad that I had a good minister. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming in verse 16 and 17, isn't he? He says, I'm going to send you the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He's going to come. He's been with you. He's going to shall be in you. But then he says, I will come to you. He's not talking about his second coming here. He's talking about his coming by the Holy Spirit to the individual. And so the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. 
And so Jesus just taking that for granted when he says, I will come to you, what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is going to bring me to you. So in a sense, the Holy Spirit Jesus' other self. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' other self. It's not a blessing. It's not a feeling. It's not just a prayer language. It's God. He runs to heaven and he pours out his everlasting resurrection life into your body. And you become a new creature. Hallelujah. I feel like running. I feel like jumping, Craig. Hallelujah. Something's in me. It's hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, God. I will come to you. By the Holy Spirit, God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I like to look at it this way. God the Father is the loving God, the Father who sits upon the throne, but he sent this son to work out his life in a human being and to win his victory, to die for us on the cross. Thank God for the Father. Thank God for the Son. But thank God now that life of that victorious Jesus is coming down and it's coming into his people to make them new creatures, to make them walk in this world in white, to do the work of Jesus because Jesus is still in this earth. He's in his people. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is so very important. I want to tell you though that I will come to you in the Greek. See, I know some Greek too is given in the present progressive tense. That means that he will be constantly pouring out his spirit. And folks, he's been pouring out his spirit through the history of the church. It's not just happened in 1900 or not just in Acts chapter 2. Anytime a people get hungry, anytime he is sought, the Holy Ghost begins to come down and lives are changed and he'll fill people with hunger. The Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord tells me not to say what I'm thinking. But let me say it positive, in a positive way. We need hunger. The church needs to get thirsty. We need to get back to desiring him. Not satisfied just with a big church and a good bank account and a growing church. We want to be just satisfied with Jesus changing lives, setting people free, filling them with what he died for. Are you with me? And so that's what we want to specialize in in this house. And we want to see God visit America again with his Holy Spirit. Praise God. And so I want to remind you, he's constantly coming. So there's an open heaven today. You can be filled today. You can begin to hunger and spend time, get back to that prayer and place where of intimacy with Jesus. And I promise you, you draw nigh unto God. The Bible says this, he will draw nigh to you. There's not a lot of promises in this life. Not everything always equals up perfectly, but in the gospel it does. You seek him, you'll find him. You call upon him, he'll answer you. You seek and draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And so why is the church so dry? Why is the church so dry? Why do we see such little life? Why don't we see the victory? Has God changed? 
Has he moved away? And so what's the problem? Come on. I mean, we watch more TV than we get into the Bible. Uh-oh. We watch more movies than we read his word. We go out to eat more than we go to his house. Oh, it's getting hot in here, but I don't care. It's the truth anyway. And I'm just doing what the Bible says. He's standing at the door of our hearts, my heart. And he's knocking this morning. And he's saying, let me come in. And I will sup with you. And you with me. And there'll be victory. Nothing is better than living a life in his spirit. Okay, we're going to move on. I guess this is kind of more like a Bible study. But I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And as you do that, I want to remind you that in that 14th verse or 16th verse, John 14, 16, it says the Holy Spirit has been with you, but he shall be in you. So the Old Testament people had God with them. The New Testament people have a great privilege The Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments. The law of God is still the law of God. In fact, Paul says the law is righteous and holy, but I am sold unto sin. The problem with the Old Testament was that God was in the mountain. God gave them the tables of stone. God was in the holy of holies, but God wasn't in them. When Jesus died, what happened? What happened? Come on, Brother Ron, you know happened in the temple something happened something happened hallelujah the blood of atonement was shed full victory was won hallelujah not just an animal sacrifice once every year but now the blood of my Jesus ripped that veil open from the top to the bottom and now the way into the holiest of all is made manifest Hallelujah, there's full victory. He's not just with us now, he's in us now. All right, let me read my verse. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. It says, Wherefore I am made, this is Paul, a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. That's the Old Testament. That's before he came. But now is made manifest to his saints. You want to read the mystery with me? Verse 27. You ready? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. The mystery, the golden nugget, The pearl, the diamond of the gospel is not forgiveness of sins. That's preparation for the mystery. Not repentance. That's important. But it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Not only the hope of glory, he brings glory. Hallelujah. Paul says also this verse. I love it. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. You see, if church doesn't get you to touch God, 
go to another church. The point of the church is not to have socials and just friends, which I believe in, and not just barbecues, which we're going to have a bunch of them. But it's to find Jesus. It's to have Christ revealed in hearts below. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How many are thankful he came in? And you know, Paul didn't get off on his miracles. You know, Paul had great miracles. He had healings. He was an apostle. He planted churches. But look what verse 28 says. Whom we preach. What was he talking about? We preach Christ, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so God wants us to press in and through that, there's mighty power that happens. Praise God. And so your confidence shouldn't be in forms of religion or traditions, church habits, just outward conformity. I believe in modesty, but wearing a dress doesn't change your inside. Wearing a bun doesn't make you spiritual. In fact, I couldn't make wear a bun no matter how hard I try. So a bun's out of this picture, all right? But I can have a change on the inside. I can receive his power. Hallelujah. And so my faith is not in mankind, not in religion, not in systems. How many know church sometimes is misrepresented and sometimes fails and comes short, but Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never leave you high and dry. Jesus will satisfy. Jesus will sanctify. So I just want to read a, just a list of quick things in closing that the Holy Spirit will do for every one of us. What he does to each one that comes to him. I want to share with you a few verses as to what the Bible says. We don't have time to turn to them all. But the Bible does command us to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. In fact it says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. I remember one time as a young preacher, I said, do not be drunk with wine wherein is success. It's not good. Be not drink, drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the Holy Spirit, as it fills us, it's going to give us overcoming power over those temptations that will never go away in any other way. The Bible exhorts us to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not only change you, but help your prayer language. Not just tongues, although it includes that. You pray in faith because you have a sight of him and faith in him. The Holy Spirit brings you into relationship, which brings faith. And you lay hold and you receive. And so we are to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us power. We mentioned that. Personal power and power also to witness the Holy Spirit gives us power over sin. He gives us faith over sickness. Come on. I want to underline that I believe and I'm praying, Lord, you've healed a bunch here. But Lord, let every sickness, every disease be healed. Because he atoned for the whole mess of it. So he is Lord over our sinful natures and he will sanctify, transform. He is Lord over our sickness. How many believe he breaks darkness 
and sets us free by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings love. It brings joy. It brings liberty. The Bible says where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit changes us. It says in the Bible that we are changed as we behold him. If the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one, as we pray and that unction of God comes upon you, you are changed into the same image. And I'm going to close with something powerful, folks. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is all that I've mentioned. But perhaps the most important purpose of the Holy Spirit is he's getting his church ready by making them to come into his image. He's making us like him. I could never be like him. I could never change myself. We can't get rid of our own lives. But there came one who conquered death. And he conquers death in you and me. And then he fills us with his eternal life. He fills us with that life that superseded our death. And he makes us like himself. I love that verse in Romans chapter 8 where it says, Whom he did predestinate, them he also did foreknow. That they might come in to the image of himself. I'm going to read it in closing. That is a powerful, perhaps the most important thing that God wants to do in his people. It says this, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. Oh, folks, we got something big. God's working out something mighty. He is the first fruits of them that slept, but he is working and reproducing his life in every one of us. Hallelujah. The old man is passing out and the new man is rising up. Christ within you, the hope of glory, is winning over where you've been and what you were like and what you've done and the defeat in your life and all that generational stuff. It's nothing. Don't make a lot of it. Christ is in you. He's Lord of all. He'll set you free. He'll fill you and make you a new creature. Hallelujah. How many want it today? Oh boy. Gee, I thought I did better than that. I'll give you another chance. How many want Christ within today? How, how many want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. I just want to pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, pray with me, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, Father, come in. Come in, Lord. Come in today. Father, make us worshipers. Change us from glory to glory. Give us that liberty. Give us that power. And Lord, make us. Oh, it's even hard to say. How can I be, how can we be like Jesus? God has made a way. He's bringing many sons unto glory. Hallelujah. He's going to perfect his image. Oh, Jesus, sanctify us today. Draw us by your spirit close to the heart of God. Grip our hearts to get a fresh and filling. Pour it out even today as we come and do a new work. I want to tell you, you know, in closing, I'm finishing with this, I promise. We're walking around in our morning prayer. And God spoke to me a 
word that I didn't really think of till now. He said to me, behold, I'm going to do a new thing and it will spring forth speedily. And I believe that new thing is he wants to fill us more, every one of us, with his spirit because he wants to live in you. He wants you to have that fellowship. Amen. Amen. Now the time is early. And I was always taught that the purpose of altar service is not just to make the pastor happy. And it's not just for the sinners to get saved, which it is. But it's for us saints to spend some time dealing with him. Drawing nigh to him. Responding to what he's speaking to you. And if you feel like you would want more of his spirit, you want a fresh touch, I'm going to ask you to get up and come to the front. If you want him to make you to know him better, I want you to get up, come on, and come. And let's just have some prayer. And all of us draw nigh to God.